0: Thank you so much. Well, the king had waited about as long as he could wait. He and his men were gathered for the battle. The enemies were all around. He'd been told, wait seven days by the prophet Samuel. He'd been told, I'll be back, wait for me. Those are the instructions of the Lord. But when Saul looked around and he saw 13,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and as many men, as many enemy soldiers as there were grains of sand on the beach. And he had 2,000. He began to be a little afraid. His men were trembling in their boots. As a matter of fact, they were leaving. They were absent without leave. They were taken off. They were hiding in cisterns, hiding in wells, hiding in caves. They were trembling in their boots. They were terrified. So Saul said, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Samuel's not here. I'll offer a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. So he set up an altar and he offered a sacrifice. And the only problem with that was he wasn't allowed to do that. He wasn't a priest. Only the priestly class were allowed to offer sacrifices. So there he had done it. He wanted to gain the favor of the Lord. He wanted to be sure that when this battle started, the Lord would be with him. And just then... Samuel shows up and Samuel says, What have you done? What have you done, Saul? You know that was not the Lord's instructions. The Lord was going to see you as the king for the rest of your life and it was going to be glorious. And now that won't happen. That won't happen. He didn't wait. Saul had exalted himself. He had put himself in a position of deciding what would be the thing to do, even though it was directly opposite of the Lord's instructions. And we know that when we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. We will be humbled. Zechariah 4:6 reads, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you know, This theme runs all through the Bible. It runs all through the Bible. This week we're gonna continue to study the humility principle from Jim Rosemarkey's book, The Transcendent Life. And that principle is everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. King Saul could see that things weren't going as well as the troops were leaving. He made that sacrifice to please God and hopefully to gain the support of his armies because if they saw him making a sacrifice, then they'd say, oh, it's okay, that's what you do. And and then the Lord is going to look on us with favor. He knew that he'd be saved from his enemies if only God would look on him with favor, but it didn't have the desired effect. And there are two reasons for that. First, Samuel's instructions to Saul were, follow the Lord and serve him faithfully. That's what he was told to do. That's all he had to do was wait for Samuel to show up. Those were the instructions. But he became fearful, and he needed to try to please God, to gain God's favor. One of the problem with that is he already had God's favor. God was the one who chose Saul to be king in the first place. He had God's favor. There's nothing that he needed to do, nor nothing that we ever need to do to gain God's favor. We already are God's beloved every one of us, God was already pleased. Do we get that? No matter what we've done or don't do, God loves us because it's God's nature to love. That's what God is and that's what God does. There's nothing we need to do. There are no conditions on God's love for you. And that was true for Saul, but he didn't trust that. He didn't know that. And there's a second reason that the sacrifice didn't help. And to get to there, we go beyond the the literal level of the story to the metaphysical meaning of the story. According to this law of mind action, okay? And that's one of the laws, that's one of the basic spiritual principles that the universe operates with. The law of mind action, thoughts held in kind produce after their own kind. According to the law of mind action, whatever outpictured, whatever happened there in Saul's battle scene that would be a, a reflection of the consciousness that he was holding in mind, okay? So if he had had a perfect faith, if he had stood there and said, I know Samuel will be back, it will be okay, everything's gonna be fine, God's got this, then that's the way it would have been. But instead, he cowered in fear, he lost his faith, he wasn't sure, he didn't think the armies were gonna be as strong enough to do it, so he outpictured, <coughs> A reflection of his consciousness was a very fearful place. The men kept running. It wasn't working. The sacrifice didn't work. Sacrifice wasn't called for. So whatever we hold in mind, out pictures in our lives, and if we have perfect faith and we follow our inner guidance, everything works out because we expect it to. If we turn around and act fearfully, we get fearful results. Now, it's not cause and effect directly. It's a whole vibrational thing. It's everything all put together. It's more than our minds can calculate. So let's let's try not to get to that place where we're saying, if I do this, then that's going to happen, because it's not that simple. It'd be nice if it was. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that wouldn't be a blessing, because sometimes we do some things that we don't want to have the direct consequences thereof. Okay. so. From a consciousness of fear, one never has authentic power. One never has authentic power. From a consciousness of personal fear and separation, what we get is we get to bargaining with God, we get to trying to get God to give us favor, but from a consciousness of love and oneness and a consciousness of unconditional love of God, we know we're one with the one. We get it, we know that. We know the unconditional love of God that is at the core of our being, the very core of our being. When we give unconditional love, that's the energy that comes back to us. That's just the way it is, that's the way it happens. Thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. Over and again in the Old Testament, we see stories of the Hebrew people being told to obey God, and then they do something else. They get some other mind, they get afraid and they do something else. And they're not the only ones. They weren't the only ones. I think that may be true for some of us today. But the the theme of the Old Testament that we see is disobey God and you are cursed, obey God and you are blessed. In other words, follow the Lord and serve him faithfully. Acting from personal power, from might, was really disobeying God for Saul. Whereas acting from oneness with spirit is being portrayed in the Old Testament as obeying God. When we're acting from a place of oneness with spirit, of love of God, that's obedience. That's what obedience is, acting from a place of love. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. So when we come from personal power and might, we're exalting ourselves. And like Saul, we will be humbled sooner or later. When we come from our place of spiritual power, the presence and the power of God within us, then we will be exalted. We are exalted. You can feel the difference. The humility principle is unchanging spiritual truth. We find examples in the Hebrew scripture. We find examples in the Christian scripture. There's that seed of a divine idea that's planted there and it grows clearer and clearer for us as human consciousness evolves. As we move further along in human consciousness, we're getting a little bit smarter, just a little bit. The divine idea that was true then and it's true now is that we are to get into alignment with our spiritual power, get into alignment with God. So what does that look like? Well, in the Christian Bible, Jesus, is a very clear example of alignment with spiritual power. He taught, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, get into a consciousness of oneness with God. It's all within us, it's all within us, that secret place within. Many of us were taught the Lord's Prayer. It's found in the sixth chapter of Matthew Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And most of us know the rest of that. But just before that prayer, just before that, it says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, as soon as we ask, our prayers are answered. As soon as we ask, in the moment we ask, in God's mind, the prayers are answered. And the answer is always yes. Yes, beloved, yes. And then the universe gets busy, God gets busy lining up people and circumstances, everything's coming into into being. Saul's prayers were already being answered, but he didn't see that. He couldn't see that it was going on and he didn't have faith in it, so he decided to take action on his own. He would have won the battle. He was going to be a successful king, but he didn't trust that. And we don't always trust that. We don't always get it. When we ask for something and we don't see the outpicturing, we don't see the results of our prayers right away, we don't always get it. God's working in the background. Trust. Be still. Be still. We don't need to run out and make sacrifices to God. We don't need to sacrifice ourselves. What we pray, when we pray, doesn't change God. If we think it does, We're exalting ourselves. We think we have the power to change God's mind. We think we have that power. When we pray, what we're really doing is changing our own minds. We're getting ourselves into a state of receptivity so that what we pray for, we're ready to receive because it's already coming into being, but we have to be ready to receive it. And so we pray to come into alignment with our true spiritual power. And when we do, we're exalted. I was taught in seminary that the Lord's Prayer is actually a series of affirmations. It's instructions on how to pray, and it's a series of affirmations. It's not a prayer to get God to give you what you want. God is always giving. God is already giving. We pray to change our minds so that we can receive what's on the way. Prayers and affirmative statements create in us a knowing that we shall receive. It's a willingness to trust the process. It's a a willingness to wait, to hold to our faith and wait like Saul was told to wait. So in early Hebrew history, one went to a prophet for divine guidance. That's what Saul did. He went to Samuel. Samuel was a powerful prophet and he gave Saul those instructions and Saul disobeyed and he was humbled. Human consciousness evolves, and so later on, we have Jesus. Jesus, he has this new understanding. It's not to sacrifice. It's not to sacrifice. Rather, it's in the quiet of our own hearts and minds to go to that presence of God, to go to God within, to know the presence of God. And from that, we know it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Go to the Father in secret. So as human consciousness has evolved, there's been some really good change, and the spiritual principles by which the universe operates have remained the same. So what might this look like in someone's life today, this humility principle in action? Well, there was a young man who graduated as valedictorian of his high school class. He received a scholarship to Harvard, he went, And when he graduated from Harvard, he enlisted in the army. As a second lieutenant, an army officer, he became a Special Forces Green Beret. He served in secret, top-secret operations in Vietnam and in Laos. He was in a very high position in the military. When he returned to the United States, he went through a really emotional, volatile time, as so many veterans did. He went from being this really Green Beret Special Forces kind of guy, top secret kind of guy, to being very angry. He became addicted. He suffered a lot of stress. He was just chronically mad. He wasn't happy. He wandered around basically for about five years in a state of misery. And all of that suddenly ended when he was introduced. To quantum physics, by a friend who invited him to go to a lecture at the university. Come to a lecture, he said. Yeah. And we've probably all heard of Gary Zukov. Zeri- Gary Zukov wrote Soul Stories. He wrote The Dancing Woolly Masters, an overview of the new physics. When Gary heard that lecture about quantum physics, His mind lit up. He couldn't get enough. He asked questions. He started going, they held the lectures every week. He went back again and again and again to lectures. He, for the first time in a long time, was just on fire with something. He said, I'm gonna write a book. He got this idea, I'm gonna write a book about this quantum physics. (coughs) He spent all of his time, all of his energy, writing this book. He talked to people, he learned more he absolutely loved what he was doing. He'd never written a book before, he didn't even know how to write a book, but he was writing this book. He said, it was the most profound discussion I could imagine, asking questions such as, does consciousness create reality? So he was working on that. He said, I had found the most engaging activity of my life. It was also the most fulfilling. I forgot to be angry, which I usually was. And I also forgot to be resentful and jealous. He worked on it all the time. He felt lifted up. I would call it, he didn't call it this, but I would call it the touch of the divine. That he had experienced the touch of the divine. He said it was his first experience of authentic power. He writes, authentic power feels good. It is doing what you are supposed to be doing. Your life is filled with meaning and purpose. You have no doubts. You have no fears. You feel happy to be alive. You have a reason to be alive. Everything you do is joyful. Everything is exciting. You look forward to each day and each night. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt that excited to be alive? Well, he goes on to explain that we can each experience this authentic power, this exalted feeling of authentic power you can do it while you're caring for a child you can do it while you're cooking a meal you can do it whatever it is that your passion is once you find what that is you're just going to do it it doesn't come from what you're doing it comes from how you're doing it unlike external power authentic power depends on what happens inside of you external power depends on manipulation and control This authentic power depends on what happens inside of you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we remember maybe from last week, two of the characteristics of a humble life, their effortlessness and creativity. Gary Zukov had effortlessness and creativity. He had begun to live the humble life. He humbled himself. Authentic power always comes from the presence of God within. Whenever we're feeling separate or powerless, we grasp for power from around us. We bargain with God. We make sacrifices. We do things that don't really bless us. But when we're conscious of our oneness with God, we're exalted. Our personality is aligned with spirit. We know that authentic power our true power, because it's the power of creativity, of harmony, of cooperation. It's the power of sharing. It's the power of what he calls reverence for life. Reverence for life with a capital L. Authentic power always comes from that presence of God within us. Zukov tells us we are spiritual beings. We have always been spiritual beings. and We will always be spiritual beings. The difference is now we're becoming aware of ourselves as spiritual beings, and that is making all the difference. That's making all the difference. Because with awareness, we have choice. We have choice. Those seeds of consciousness were planted back in the Old Testament days, and they are growing. These seeds are growing within every one of us now. We are getting it like never before. From the Hebrew Bible, Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's the seed. The Christian Bible, Paul, in Galatians 2.20, said, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And Gary Lukoff now says, if you are fully aligned with your soul, it will be your pleasure, your joy, to always move toward cooperation, toward sharing, toward reverence for life. Alignment with that Christ within, that presence of God is within us. So this week, I invite you to consider the idea. Consider the idea of forming a partnership with God. You and I, we are the way that God works in this world. We're the hands and the feet and the voice for God. That's what we are. So allow God to work with you because God within is that source of our authentic power as you go through your day, anytime you feel sad or angry or any negative emotion, anytime you feel powerless, ask your power partner, God, for a bit of assistance. Just invite God's assistance. Say, see me through this. Let's let's do this together. And when you feel happy or loving or joyful, creative or energized, just know. Celebrate that. Celebrate with your power partner because you and God are doing it together. Give thanks for that relationship with God. God is always calling us, always inviting us into relationship, always inviting us to be one with the one. Your true power comes from the presence of God within you. That's where it is. Saul, well, he backed up a little and he rejoined his son, Jonathan. They won that battle but he didn't remain king very long because that personal power, that exaltation of his personality continued. And he got, well, you'd have to read the story. You have to read the story. It's uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, it goes from there. I'm not gonna read that story. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna read that story. But he tried to live by might and let's just say he was humble. He was humble. As you remember to live, not by might but by spirit may you be lifted up may we all be lifted up may we lift up each other as we feel that touch of the divine blessings and i thank you